All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. I'm your host, Matt Hines. Excited to have you all here. Uh, if you are watching us live, if you are live on LinkedIn right now in the middle of your workday, thank you so much for joining us. You, you have an opportunity to be, be part of this program. If you have a comment, a question, a rebuttal, a rant, all fair game, please throw that into the comments here uh, in LinkedIn and we can make you part of the event. We can call you out. We can argue with you. Ben can argue with you. I can argue with you. You can't argue back except for in the comments, but we'll put you part of the event and we'll have some fun with it. So thank you so much for joining us live. If you are watching or listening on demand thank you so much for downloading for subscribing uh appreciate each and every one of you as our as our episodes grow and our audience grows and if you're new to sales pipeline radio uh you can catch every episode on demand at salespipelineradio.com um we get a lot of pitches uh for different ideas people that want to be on the show different topics uh this one stood out to me and i'm super excited to welcome to the show ben laws he's the executive vice president and uh, U.S. lead for business marketing at Edelman. Ben, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be with you, Matt. Thanks for having me. So you guys um, have been doing with LinkedIn a thought leadership study for the last like five years or so. And I think, you know, it's, thought leadership has a lot of definitions from a lot of people. Um, but I think uh, I, I liked sort of the output of what you guys came up with. I like the structure of how you built it. So maybe how did that get started and sort of maybe sort of introduce a little bit of sort of what you found in this year's version? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think we know as marketers just intrinsically that thought leadership matters. We know it's something that is a valuable tool. You know, it's important for, you know, in my case, from the agency side to get our clients to put it out there and use that to shape trust to get new customers, to retain customers, to you know, convert deals. But when we talk to CMOs, uh, our clients among them and others, what we really heard was help me prove that. And we didn't see a whole lot of existing research out there in the market that you know, really spoke to the hard ROI of thought leadership. And so we teamed up with LinkedIn and we developed this thought leadership impact report. And this is the fifth year that we've done it. And you know, across that longitude of the five years, we've seen some things that are pretty consistent. And you know, who we're talking to is one marketers, but we're also talking to business decision makers and pretty senior ones. And I think what's particularly interesting is when you talk to those decision makers, they say, when I consume good thought leadership, I'm more likely to include the producer in an RFP. I'm more likely to do business with them. And, you know, that tells us that thought leadership, it's not just about brand awareness. It's not just about sentiment. It's about actual hard impact with those business decision makers, you know, getting a deal when you're a vendor. Um, one cautionary note is we also hear from them when thought leadership is not good. Uh, that influences them as well. They have decided not to include somebody in RFP or they decided not to do business with the, you know, somebody who's producing thought leadership on the basis of it not being great. So that's always interesting. And then you know, what we set out to do in this fifth year was uh, we kind of all know what kind of world we're living in right now. And uh, in this period of uncertainty, we understand how does that hold up? Is that still how these businesses, decision makers feel about things or do they feel differently? And, you know, I think the headline is it is harder than ever to break in with those decision makers and get their attention. And again, I think that's, you know, a pretty natural thought, but it was interesting to see it validated. And then we see, you know, sort of three statistics under that that are a mix of cautionary, but also a little bit encouraging. So one is um, these buyers are all operating within the context of a recession. 
And we don't know whether we're already in one, if one's going to happen, period. But I think we all see that budgets are under pressure. They're seeing procurement tighten up. So they're operating that reality. And naturally, they're a little bit less receptive to sales pitches or to talking to folks who, you know, want their time without there being a vital need to give it to them. Uh, so that's one reality is in breaking through. The other is um, they say that when a recession happens, 55% of them told us that they expect to look at their list of vendors and service providers and cut the ones that are not vital, you know, the nice to haves. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a, a caution for a lot of the people that, you know, we work for, right? Uh, but the silver line is 91% of them. So almost everybody said, look, those providers can find a way to stand out and make themselves seem more essential to us. And 61% of the people we talked to said thought leadership is the most effective tool marketers can use. So you start to play with like the logic of those three facts. And I think what it tells us is even in a recessionary environment, thought leadership is an effective tool to one, get in front of those folks because they'll take their time to consume it. And it is going to have an impact in terms of making them think about you as somebody who can help them with understanding what their pain points are or their opportunities, understand what to do about them. And that in and of itself is a valuable service on top of whatever product or service you're selling. Yeah. Do you have any insight on like what type of thought leadership, like what does that mean? Like how does it manifest? There's so many different channels. There's so many different formats. Yeah. You know, we started this as a real actual podcast, just audio. Now we do it as video, but we also yeah. do it live and on demand. So any insight into what's working? And then you also, I'll follow up because I want to find out like what you mentioned that sometimes it backfires. So we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but what um, what works? Like how? What are, what's in the toolbox of what's effective right now? You know, we're honestly pretty agnostic on format, right? And part of that is just from sector to sector or from persona to persona. There definitely are formats that are preferred, we think. But, you know, frankly, even sometimes when we actually test, we find out that what we thought we knew about preferred consumption habits of format is not true. So I think testing is always important. But I'd step back from that and say, you know, focus on the core of thought leadership. And that's what you're saying. And I think there are two aspects to that that make thought leadership good. One is the quality of the insight and the other is creativity. So the quality of the insight is as simple and as hard as is what we're saying timely and relevant to this audience, this very specific audience right now. And, you know, that's tough because you've got to be out there collecting that intelligence and then forming a point of view on the basis of it. But if it's not timely and relevant, and, you know, if it's not something that's really helping them address something that's right in front of them, then right off the bat, it's probably not very valuable, right? So that's number one. And then the creativity thought is, I do think that especially on the B2B side, marketers and even, you know, producers of thought leadership like us, we discount creativity. We think this is a rational process. Buyers have their criteria. You know, as long as you can solve for that sort of like math problem, then you're doing something right. But the truth is, both in the idea itself, but also the packaging, you've got to find a way to be creative. You've got to stop the scroll. You've got to keep attention. There has to be something surprising and delighting about the content that's going to make it stand apart and not seem just so rational and, you know, frankly, in a sea of thought leadership, samesy. Um, so I, I think those are a couple of thoughts, but. Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful. The other thing I think about sometimes with thought leadership is uh, sort of audience precision. I think a lot of people yeah. get really enamored with big numbers. Like I got more and more people watching, but are they yeah. the right people? So how do you think about as part of this, 
you know, knowing that it's effective, not just based on volume, but based on quality and precision of audience you're addressing as well. Yeah. You know, the gold standard is obviously one to one. Right. But if we're being honest, it's rare where we have the luxury of the resources or the time to actually get down to one to one. So it's prioritizing. Yeah. And I think it's really, you know, looking at that buying committee or a stakeholder committee, if it's not a purchase that you're trying to influence, understanding how do they work together and what's the point that's best to intercept? You know, who do we go in through? Who do we equip to then have conversations with the rest of the committee? You know, that's our best bet. Right. And I think your point is just understanding from that standpoint, uh, you know, back to what do they care about? Uh, how do we relate to that? And really just placing a bet with some prioritization on, you know, how do we influence them and then hope that that's going to have a catalyst effect to go and then influence the rest of the folks we have to reach because yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. And like, you think about all the work we do to build personas, all the work we do to get voice of customer research, mm -hmm. uh, there's rich detail there and it's balancing having all that with just figuring out in a given you know period of time and a given level of resource, how can we best put that to use in a very precision way? The, the last thought I'll give you is just distribution. And you know we're big believers that you want to be as efficient as possible with that distribution, especially on the paid side. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of traditional advertising uh, does hard work at the awareness level, but it's not necessarily the best fit for something like thought leadership, where you really want to get in front of that very specified audience that's going to actually find a tailored enough piece of content useful. Yep, you got it. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Ben Laws. He's Executive Vice President at Edelman. We're talking about their fifth annual thought leadership survey that they do uh, annually, of course, with uh, with LinkedIn. And uh, you, you referenced something earlier that I wanted to get back to. You mentioned sometimes, so thought leadership can be an incredible tool. And I think it's, it's clear that there is a lot of stuff out there, but like good, well thought out creative thought leadership can still be highly effective it sounds like there's times when it can also backfire when yeah. well and even well intended or maybe not well intended can actually have counter uh sort of effect can you talk a little bit about that like what does that mean and what are some th red flags for people to watch out for yeah i mean look it's sort of back to the way we define thought leadership which is essentially look at the intersection of what does your brand stand for what are you expert in you know what's an ownable essentially set of things that you can educate people about, right? Mm -hmm. Look at your audience, understand that timely and relevant element of, you know, what's important to them right now. And then look out in the landscape and what are the trends, you know, what are the macro factors? What are, you know, really shaping the conversation in the middle of it is a perspective that's going to work. Yeah. Right. But uh, when instead of that, all you're doing is basically putting a thought leadership wrapper on a sales pitch, yep. that's going to fall flat. And, you know, a couple of ways that we see that go wrong is one, if you're doing nothing but talking about yourself. Right. So if your thought leadership is essentially just a veiled attempt to get you in front of a buyer and say, we're great, here's our capabilities, here's our speeds and feeds, it's, it's just sales material, right? And that's another thing we find in the research we've done for the past few years is uh, thought leadership's a better asset than sales materials alone in shaping the perceptions of these buyers. So if you skip over that, and you're just going to the sale, then you're not building that trust. You're not sort of getting that foot in the door and, you know, conditioning people so that when it's time to sell them, they're thinking about you in the right way. And they're thinking about you at the top of the pack. So I think that's the biggest thing is don't mistake thought leadership for a sales motion, sales materials, because it, it backfires. It's, it's basically a bait and switch. 
Well, what I heard in both of those examples of bad uh, sort of ineffective thought leadership is making it about you, right? Either yeah. you confuse actual valuable thought leadership as sales material, right? And the, which right. is really just you just trying to pitch or you just make it about yourself. It's more of a vanity play than it is something that's valuable for the audience. And that's a yeah. good reminder, right? It's a good, you know, so look in the mirror, look at what you're doing, say, is this about me or is this for them? And like, you know, it's easy sometimes that slip yourself like, well, I got a sales pitch and it's going to benefit them. No, that's still about yeah. you. What is it about them? It's going to get some value there. Uh, I, I think we've got, just got a couple more minutes here to wrap up uh, on some of the stuff they saw from the research. And I, I definitely encourage people. We'll put a link to the full research into the show notes so you all can get a copy of the, the full the, the full report. I think a lot of times people think about thought leadership and they think about um, net new. They think about prospects. They think about the broader market. But a lot of really good thought leadership also has a direct impact on your customer base and driving greater stickiness and retention and relationship strength with your customers. Can you talk a little bit about what the, the report has shown there? Yeah, I mean, definitely in terms of you know driving retention, what we're ultimately seeking with thought leadership is uh, shaping trust, shaping how they think about an organization or a brand. And, you know, we see that as essentially necessary precursor, precursors, excuse me, to, you know, one, converting to a deal, but also keeping that customer in the long term. Um, you know, it's got to be about more than your solution. It's got to be about more than your product. There's got to be some underlying sense of what's this organization's value proposition that's over and above the one thing I'm buying from them. So maybe I'm interested in buying more things from them, expanding that relationship. Right. Um, so I do think it does work essentially at all levels of the funnel at the brand level. It helps you really associate a brand with a value proposition and just get that thought instilled in people. And then in a nurture function, you're kind of pushing people down the funnel and progressively making that bridge from if this is what we're here to do for you, here are the exact products, the exact offerings that are going to do that, you know. And that's the whole spectrum of where essentially we're using thought leadership to establish a relationship. And then we're looking along the way, whether it's intent data. Or working with the sales team, just those signals that indicate a hand raiser where it's time to move over into sales mode. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I don't know, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. No, I, I think you know one of the things that seems, seems like a through line in this whole conversation is is yeah. the relationship, right? And yeah. the fact that it'd be great if we could have one on one conversations with everybody. That's not always possible. It's not always scalable. But like, how do you actually sort of create relationships between your brand and other brand? It's really it's. It, effectively it comes down to you versus me, Matt, and you, Ben. I mean, it's, it's people to yeah. people until we really get to robots buying from robots, which I don't know, maybe soon, maybe coming sooner than we think, but I think like it's still the relationships we have and the way you feel about someone and the way you connect with people at the brand, when they, you connect with the thought leaders and sort of what they're producing and feel like there's some resonance and value there for you that can create intimacy and personalization and relationship at scale, I think is kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Completely agree awesome. with that. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time joining us today. Uh, we're going to put a link uh, to the to the page on, on Edelman.com where you can get a full copy of this report. You can get copies of the last several years' reports as well. But definitely encourage everyone to check a look at that. Some really interesting insights around the impact of thought leadership. Some really great data around sort of how buying conditions are changing as we face some economic headwinds as well. Uh, the impact of procurement, uh, the impact of sort of non-essential purchases, a lot of really good stuff in there as well. So. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the time. And, you know, one thing I'll say is you mentioned annual, right? And we definitely do an annual survey. Um, I encourage everybody to look out for some pulses from us this year because, you know, we practice what we preach and, uh, you know, we're talking about a recessionary environment in six months. Maybe we're still talking about that. I hope not. But, uh, you know, 
we'll be looking to figure out um, a few other things we can sort of investigate and bring into that lens of why does thought leadership uh, matter right now. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about this, Matt, and definitely looking forward to connecting with anybody on the line. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, I certainly think we are talking about heading into a recession a lot, and we've been talking about that for a while. I got. I just wonder, at what point are we no longer heading into it? Are we into it? At what point are we talking ourselves into the recession versus uh, the psychology aspect? Yeah, it, it's, it a, it's the a complicated first market without knowing it, and then we're out of it before we, you know. So. Oh yeah, no. Even yeah. just as we record this today, interesting story in the Wall Street Journal about like, okay, you got all these tech layoffs, but you got a hiring boom, and depending on the industry you're in. Like you're in, you're in one of theirs, one of those or another. So yeah, interesting yeah. stuff. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, everyone. Thank you to Justin and Lacey and a bunch of others that were watching us live and making comments. Appreciate you all so much. We'll be back here next Thursday, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. Another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio.